0: Our scripture passages this morning are found in Psalm 126 and John chapter 11, 17 through 37. Listen now for the word of the Lord. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy, Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like the streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears, those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. And our second scripture reading is from John chapter 11, verses 17 through 37. This is part two of our three-part look at John chapter 11. Before we read our scripture passage, I'm just going to recap what happened in part one, which we looked at last week from John chapter 11, verses 1 through 16. We saw last week in John chapter 11, this story of a man named Lazarus, but as we're looking at the story, we call it the, the story of Lazarus, but all Lazarus did was get out of the tomb, right? The, the interactions, kind of the, the really, the stars of the story are, of course, Jesus. And then most of it encompasses Jesus's interactions with Lazarus's sisters who are Martha and Mary. And, and John chapter 11 starts when Martha and Mary send a message to Jesus, and the message is, the one you love, Lazarus is sick. And as we saw last week, when Jesus receives the message, he replies with this certitude, this assurance, this promise, this sickness will not end in death. I I know I would never say that to anyone, because that's above my pay grade, that's out of my league, right? We don't know, but... Jesus does know, he seems to know. He says, this sickness will not end in death. He says, no, it's for God's glory and God's son will be glorified through it. So there's the promise, the sickness will not end in death. And then what happens after Jesus issues the promise? Even if you weren't here last week, you may know the story. Lazarus, yeah, Lazarus dies, which seems like a contradiction of the word of God. Lazarus dies after Jesus said he will not die, and then Jesus waited two days before traveling to attend to Lazarus. So that's how this part one ended. Lazarus died, and Jesus tells his disciples, we're going to Bethany to attend to Lazarus, and they say, very pessimistically, cynically, Oh, no, we don't want to go there. We're going to die, too, because it's close to Jerusalem, and they tried to kill Jesus last time he was in Jerusalem. So part two begins, John 11, verses 17 through 37. Here we go. On Jesus's arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Wow. I'm the resurrection and the life The one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking this, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went out to him. Now Jesus had not entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, "Lord." If you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, she was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, could, he not, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Sermon titled this morning is, Jesus Comforts the Grieving. I want to begin by presenting the story with this illustration. A few weeks ago, we found a robin's nest on the ground in our backyard, And when I went out to pick up the nest, I noticed that there was a baby robin next to the nest who was lying there helplessly on the ground. For the next few days, I watched as the mother robin fed and warmed her chick. There was one morning I went out to check and I found the baby Robin lifeless. The baby had clearly died, right? It, it was dead. There was no tweeting, there was no movement, there was no breath. And as I carried the bird from our yard, I, there was no doubt in my mind that the bird was dead. Now imagine if I left the bird there for four days, right? We could talk about the discoloration, the smell, the decomposition of the bird, and there would be no doubt after four days that the bird was dead. When Jesus arrives in the village of Bethany, the village of Lazarus, Lazarus had been dead for four days there I'm I'm telling this right so that that you understand that there was no doubt that Lazarus was dead Jesus purposely waited for four days so that his ancient audience the Jewish people would have no doubt that Lazarus was dead At that time, the Jewish people believed after three days, there was still a possibility that the human soul would return to the dead body and there could be a natural rejuvenation. In other words, in that time, you weren't really dead until the fourth day. On the fourth day, hope was gone. On the fourth day, there was no doubt in their minds that Lazarus was dead. And on the fourth day, as John tells us, many Jews, extended family and friends, had come to Martha and Mary, the village of Lazarus, to join in their grief. It was on the fourth day day, that grieving would have reached its climax. Jesus enters into heartbreak, brokenness, sorrow, and wailing on the fourth day. And before he can even enter the village, Martha heard that jesus was on his way and she went out of the village to meet jesus on the road i imagine that when jesus looked into martha's eyes he saw eyes that were bloodshot he saw eyes that were puffy from crying he saw cheeks that had the dried residue of tears that were shed She's grieving the loss of a sibling. If you've ever grieved the loss of a sibling, of a spouse, of a friend, or of a parent, you understand what Martha was going through on the fourth day. You understand that when you lose someone you deeply love, You feel as if you lose a part of your very self. You want more than anything to be reunited. You would give anything for just one more moment with that brother or sister, husband or wife, mom or dad. What I find interesting is that in heartbreak and in sorrow, in loss, Martha doesn't lash out at the one she believed could have stopped it. She doesn't judge Jesus. She doesn't lash out in anger at Jesus. She doesn't blame Jesus. Martha doesn't turn her back on her faith in the midst of sorrow and grief and heartache with a broken heart in a shattered world, once again, Martha shows us the way. She expresses her faith in Jesus. In verse 21, now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, not rabbi, not teacher, not friend, not miracle worker, she says, Lord, Lord, That is a profession of faith. Lord, Lord of life and death, Lord over heaven and earth, I know that you're powerful. I know that you have power over death. My brother wouldn't have died if you were here, but even now I know whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Even now I know that you have power. Even now I know that you are one with God. God. Even now I know you reign over life and death. And Jesus said to her something that perhaps you heard me say over the last few weeks if you've attended the funerals. If you haven't heard me say it, you've heard it at a funeral for a loved one from a different pastor at a different church. Jesus uses these words that that, that we take during funerals. He says this to Martha. This promise, your brother will rise again. Your sister will rise again. Your child will rise again. Your parents will rise again. How many of you have heard that same promise at the funeral of a loved one? And I think that Martha might express what you and I have Expressed in those moments of grief and sorrow. I know, Lord. I know. I'll see them again one day. I'll see them again in a distant future. The power of the promises perhaps not for the present, it's for another day. Martha says, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day, and she's brokenhearted, she's hurting, and watch how Jesus pulls her out of the pit of grief and sorrow. Watch how Jesus is about to restore her hope. Watch what Jesus is going to do to move her spirit from her feelings to faith. Jesus, in the midst of this heartbreak, makes this claim. And it is a claim that no other religious leader has ever made with any validity throughout the entirety of human history. It is a claim, and some of you are sitting here and you have the idea, the belief the ideology that every religion is the same. All major religions basically believe the exact same thing. And if you're a high schooler or a middle schooler and you're in public school, you're likely being indoctrinated that this is the way things are. But I'm going to say to you today, don't rely on Muhammad, don't rely on Buddha, don't rely on Abraham or Moses to do something for you that they never promised to do. Simple logic. Jesus makes a claim that no other religious leader can make, stand behind, or deliver. And this very claim points to the person of Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is not simply the Son of Man, He is also God the Son. To make this claim, either he's a lunatic or he is fully divine. Either he is God or he is a liar. I believe C.S. Lewis says something to that effect. Here's the claim in the midst of grieving and sorrow and loss. Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He, she who believes in me, though He or she may die. He or she shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I know you're hurting. I know you're not sure if you can, what you believe, but do do you believe this? And just to be clear about this, Jesus told her he is the source of resurrection from the dead. Jesus told her that. He is the source of life from beginning to end. Jesus told her that the believer never dies. That's that's the claim. He's claiming to be God. And he's saying faith in the divine son of God is the cord. Faith is the cord that connects you to the source of eternal life, eternal resurrection, life with God now and life with God forever. In our kitchen on our countertop we have a plug with with two we have two outlets and we have a baby monitor with a charger and in the baby monitor and then we have our our, our uh, iPhone charger and we put our, our phones there so we have we have two two chargers with two plugs that go to different devices and I shared this at the first service sometimes what I do I'm, I'm gonna call it dad brain it's probably just because I'm always in a rush I I try to <laughs> I plug my phone into the baby charger. And when I wake up in the morning, not only do I have a dead phone, I have a dead baby charger, right? Neither work. Faith is the cord that plugs us into the source of life who is Jesus Christ. And as long as our faith is plugged into Christ, who is life in resurrection, we have life. But when we're plugged into the wrong charger, when our cord is in the wrong place, we find ourselves. Do I have to finish the sentence? Lifeless. Dead. What a claim! What a wonderful claim. What a, what a hopeful claim. And then he puts her on the spot. He says, do you believe this? Martha, are you willing to make the jump in your faith? I know you believe that I have power. I know that you believe that I'm a miracle worker. I know that you believe that I'm an authoritative church, uh, uh, teacher. I know that you believe that, that, that I, I have power over devils, but, but are you willing to make this jump in your faith? He's stretching her faith even in the midst of a grieving heart. He puts her on the spot. Do you believe this? Jesus gives her the truth in her grief. Jesus stands against the flow of her tears and gives her the truth. Jesus moves her away from her feelings and back to her faith. Martha, do you want to be centered on your emotions, or do you want to be centered on your belief? Martha, in your hurt, take time to remember who I am. I am the resurrection, and the life. See, what we're being taught today as a society is who cares what you believe? Come on, you know it. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe something. Every day you believe what you believe. So, so we, we mitigate the importance of faith in Jesus Christ. What do we propagate in its, in its place? You know what really matters? How you feel. You know what's really scary about that? My emotions are really fickle. If I listen to my feelings all the time, I can find myself in a really scary place. Let me t- let's talk about the fragility of the pastor for one moment this second. I can have a, be having a great day and I get, don't act like this doesn't happen to you. I know you're sitting with the choir robes on, don't pretend. I am having a glorious day It's the best day ever, it's sunny outside, we, I don't know, we had steak for dinner, my kids were happy to see me. And then I'll get, I know this is ridiculous, I'll get a text message from someone, I'll get a simple push notification on my phone, and that one sentence will throw me in a tizzy. It will throw off my heart, my mind, my body, my soul. Oh my goodness, the world is crashing in. Thank God we're not told to listen to our feelings, we're not under the tyranny of feelings. Thank God that God gives us the truth when we're hurting. Jesus presents truth to get Martha back into God's hope. Jesus presents truth to to heal Martha's broken heart. Jesus presents truth to deliver real hope to Martha. Jesus presents truth in order to free her from her hopelessness. Jesus says the truth will set you free. You know, sometimes the most loving thing you can do for another human being is to tell them the truth. Can can I get an amen on that? All right, good, you're all stuck in your feelings. Sometimes the most loving thing we can do is tell someone the truth about Jesus Christ. We wanna stay in our feelings. Feelings can be like spiritual drugs right anger feeds on anger sadness feeds on uh sadness and it just snowballs and it's it's a spiritual drug sometimes we just got to put the feelings down for a second and just feed on the truth of God's word last Sunday my wife and I went to a concert in uh, Newark New Jersey and um it was a it was a worship concert a Christian concert there were 20,000 people there worshiping the Lord Really powerful to watch a younger generation with hearts sold out for God. You know, all hope's not lost in this world. There are young people who are making a decision to follow Christ and they stand out because they're doing differently than 99% of their classmates. Very powerful night. This guy, his name's Anthony Evans, beautiful voice. He, t- he comes out with the microphone, he sings a song to Jesus, and then he shares. He says that uh, he, he's been a professional singer for a long time, he's toured the world singing, but he shared that COVID took a toll on him, COVID took a toll on his family, COVID took a toll on his faith. And he talked about the, during COVID how he lost his mom, he lost his aunt, he lost his sister, they lost other family members, and he said as a result of all this loss, he had really lost his faith. The problem with being a Christian singer and losing your faith is you still got to get up on stage and sing songs if you want to get paid. And so he was traveling the world singing songs to Jesus in the back of his head saying, I don't know if I mean this. I don't know if I feel this. I'm losing my faith. And so one night at a concert, he, he just had a breakdown in front of, I don't know, 20,000 people. He said, I'm supposed to sing right now? I can't. I don't feel it. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what I believe. He went home and, and saw his dad. His name was Anthony Evans. His dad is the doctor, Pastor Tony Evans. You may have heard of him. Tony Evans, Pastor Tony, dad, uh, listened to his feelings, acknowledged his feelings, let his heart pour out, and then dad said, stop listening to your feelings. Here's the line that stuck with me. Your feelings don't ha- do not have intellect. Your feelings don't have a brain. They're not smart. And then he said, your feelings are the engine and they need to be the caboose. Your feelings are driving you into a hole that you won't be able to dig yourself out of. You need to start listening to the truth. You need to start listening to God. You're stuck in your feelings, get stuck in your faith. Jesus is the truth. He has the ministry of truth and in our grief, he's faithful to lead us and remind us of the truth. And as his followers, you have the ministry of the truth. We are to comfort one another with the promises of God's truth. And let's face it, if you're not willing to share God's truth with someone, they may not hear it because we are living in, um, we're living in a region that is post-Christendom. And so we, I want to challenge you to encourage yourself with God's truth if you're hurting, to open your Bible, to memorize some verses, to pray through some verses. And also, if there's people in your life who are hurting, they're grieving, they're experiencing sorrow, Maybe you encourage them with God's truth, and it could be a text, it could be a card, it could be a phone call. So Jesus has the ministry of truth. We have the ministry of truth. Now, we're gonna pivot to the next thing, and I know I'm gonna gonna go through this a little bit faster. I'll say a little bit less for you. But here's the second part. We have the ministry of truth, and we have the ministry of tears. Jesus is the lion and the lamb. Jesus is almighty God, and he is a vulnerable person. Jesus is strength and weakness in one, fully divine and fully human, and so he has the ministry of truth and the ministry of tears. Mary comes to Jesus after Martha came to Jesus, and Mary says the very same thing that Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died, and and Mary's on the ground. She's hurting. She's on the ground. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And here's what happens next Jesus does not say, I am the resurrection and the life. He doesn't put her on the spot. Mary, what do you believe? Verse 33 Therefore, when Jesus saw Mary weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, where have you laid them? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. He He had gone from sharing the truth of God's word to joining the people in their weeping. Jesus wept. And the people said, see how he loved him. Jesus will strengthen you with the truth of his word, but when you need tears, He'll hold you in the tenderness of his arms. Jesus, fully God and fully human, gives us what we need when we need it. Jesus does it perfectly. Sometimes uh, people need support. They need support. They need you to hold them up. And if you give them truth when they need tears, you'll hurt them. Sometimes people need confrontation, provocation. They need to be challenged in their faith. And if you give them tears when they need truth, you will harm them. Sometimes the most loving thing you can do for another human being is to to engage in the ministry of tears. Weep with those who weep, grieve with those who grieve. And other times the most loving thing you can do for another human being is to share the truth of God's word. On Father's Day, I'm going to move to concluding by challenging the men. The men. The picture of masculinity that has been handed down to us is a man who is tough and rugged and who never cries. Perfect masculinity is the perfect man who is Jesus Christ. Perfect masculinity looks like the ministry of truth and the ministry of tears. Your wives, your sisters, your sons, Your children, your church children, needs you to be open to ministering in truth and in ministering in tears. This is what emotionally healthy spirituality looks like. Perfection. And so, men, you need to grow in the ministry of tears. You're emotionally numb and insensitive. And it's not just like, make sure you cry. Right? Because... You don't. You know, it's not something you're creating, but enter in. Mary, Mary's at your feet. Someone's crying. Just get down on the ground with them. Hug them. Hold them. Pray for them. And if God brings you to tears, then God brings you to tears. You know what that will show the person in front of you? It will show the person in front of you what it showed the people on the day that Jesus ministered in truth and tears. You know the conclusion you have the scripture in front of you the people understood that jesus loved them he loved them before the tears but they didn't know it until jesus entered in with his show of emotions the night of jesus's arrest he got down on in the dirt in the mess and to show his love to his disciples he he washed their feet he served them And then he was off to the garden. And they were, they, you know, when you talk about Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, they talk about these drops, these tears of blood that were shed from his eyes. He was under so much pressure, so much duress. His heart was breaking so much, the depth of sorrow in his heart that it was manifesting in tears of blood. Jesus said that no one has greater love than this, he who will lay down his life for his friends. And then Jesus went to the cross. And we know he cried out to the Father from the cross, and he was broken in our place. He took our sins, the sins that were ours. He bore in his body. He made the ultimate sacrifice. You know what that picture was, that ministry of tears, in the garden and on the cross, it was a picture of God's love for you and for I, God's love for sinners, God's love for the world. It was the ministry of tears. And then on the third day, Jesus was raised from the dead in the power of the resurrection. And he confirms the words that he spoke to Martha and he speaks to us today. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. The power of Christ and the love of Christ, the ministry of truth and the ministry of tears that changed the world, that changed us. Christ continues that ministry to us today out of his love And Christ calls on you and I to continue that ministry. The ministry of truth and the ministry of tears. Thanks be to God. Amen.